Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Accents Publishing was launched in 2010 by Katrina Stoikova. The Accents Publishing mission is to promote brilliant voices in an affordable publication format and to foster an exchange of literature among different world cultures and languages. Katerina Stoikova is the author of several poetry books, most recently Between a Birdcage and a Birdhouse. And that was published by the University Press, and it's coming out in 2024, and we will talk about that in our podcast. Katerina is the founder, the senior editor of Accents Publishing, where she has selected, edited, and published close to 100 poetry collections. She is uh, acting in the lead roles for the independent feature films Proud Citizen and Fort Maria, both directed by Tom Sutherland. Her poems have been translated into German, Spanish, Ukrainian, and I'll ask you, is it Bangla? I would say Bangla, yes. Bangla and Farsi. The Eighth Floor Balcony is a volume of her selected poems translated into Arabic by the acclaimed poet Kahari Hadam. Is that correct? I call him Hairi Hamdan. Oh, good. You'll have to help me all the way through this uh, podcast. And that was published uh, by a press there. And we're so delighted to have her with us this afternoon. And she's also a member of our Kentucky Humanities Speakers Bureau. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, the work that she does there. So it's such a pleasure to have you with us and to have you in front of our microphones. Thank you, Bill, for your invitation. I'm so happy to be talking to you right now. When did you know that poetry was going to be part of your life? Oh, I was a child. I was eight years old. And then a teacher came to the school and spoke about poetry and poets. And I will never forget this moment where I had this recognition with my entire being that this is what I want to do and this is what my life is going to be about. So I went home and I told my mother, I want to be a poet. Actually, I said, I'm going to be a poet. And she didn't object, at least not at the time. And I said, you'll see. And I went in my room and I wrote a poem. So I was going to ask, did, had you written a poem up to that point? No, that was yeah. that same day was my first poem. And do you remember that poem? No, I remember the second one, uh, which was terribly bad. <laughs> Political poem, uh, which praised the Communist Party, because that was during the, you know, those times. And that was a product of uh, the way that people grow up under uh, propaganda. Hmm. Uh, they basically get propaganda with their mother's milk and they grow up on that and basically they have no other views of life and then it is predictable what they're going to turn uh, to be when they 
when they grow up and when they can make their own choices, they are actually not able to make their own choices. And you were in what country at that point? I was in Bulgaria at the time. Which I, is your native country. That's right. So I grew up there. I was born and raised in Bulgaria. And I lived there until I was 24. Luckily for me and for my development as a human being, when I was 17 years old, the Berlin Wall fell. And then I started learning about other ways of life and uh, other choices. It was 17 years of your life before you really knew of another, of, of freedom and of another way except the communist way. Right. And I'm sure that had a, an impact and has for the rest of your life. Uh, yes, learning of opportunities and figuring out what it means to have an opportunity and choice that was important because when I came to the United States when I was 24 years old, there was something that shocked me and it was nobody will stop me if I want to work hard nobody will stop me they may not help me but it's one thing to be able to I'm going to use the S word to succeed on your own efforts and there is another uh, completely different thing if institutions or people or political regimes put uh, obstacles actively in your path. So I was able to um, feel that United States uh, helped me a lot fulfill my potential as a human being and especially in Kentucky where I felt like all sorts of doors opened for me oh, you want to do this? Here is an opportunity. So I think that the most important um, aspect about living in the United States were opportunity and me being ready and being hungry. You uh, spent a lot of time um, in Kentucky. You came here, you completely immersed yourself in the culture and the educational system and uh, the nonprofit world. How did Accents Publishing uh, grow out of what you realized could be uh, your business, uh, your life, your passion? Uh, tell me about the the genesis of of the publishing world. Well, certain things happen, and you just don't want to say no or you cannot say no or certain ideas just rattle in in my head and <laughs> and eventually another towel succumb and I'll say yes. So that was one of those things. Um, I have an education of a, a business education and computer science education. So I was an engineer and project manager for quite a few years and then and then during those years i had stopped writing and when i started writing again um i went into it with all my heart and energy and 
love. And what I have noticed is that when you really fully commit yourself to a field, to an idea, uh, to way of life, a lot of doors open for you. So uh, when I started writing again, I uh, went to uh, Spalding University, uh, MFA, which right now is called the Nasland Man. Yes. Uh, We're both graduates and we're so proud and very we proud. love Spalding yes. so much. And they uh, are an underwriter of our podcast. And uh, uh, we're so uh, proud of the university and what they've done. And But enough about Spalding. We'll talk about them later. But you went to Spalding. I did. I'm not only proud, but also very grateful for everything that I received there. And uh, one of the speakers was... Um, uh, editor of a press, uh, senior editor of a press, and then when she s- was speaking about writing, uh, about working on a press, I, at that point, I knew I'm gonna do it. Oh, so As it was born uh, the idea or the, uh, the thought that you could do it too was uh, at the MFA program. Yes, it was terrifying. It was equally terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. So, And you were, it wasn't just a, an outlet for your own work. It wasn't a, uh, a vanity press, if you will, uh, uh, so to speak. I mean, you, you wanted to, you went into it at the very beginning, uh, knowing that you might publish your own work, but the work of others. That's right. Um, the idea was to, the idea was the, $5 handmade chapbooks. That's how our first 13 to 15 books were handmade. I personally um, personally printed them and bound them and uh, cut the, the paper. So um, me and another person started this uh, press and those books, they were super popular. We were uh, we couldn't keep them in print, so you couldn't we couldn't keep them in in stock. They were uh, so popular, but at some point, after having fifteen books and so many other people wanting to be published, I just couldn't keep up with physically making the books. Mm. And one of our authors said, "Listen, printing is not publishing. So think about." getting them professionally published not that they didn't look good they looked great but we uh went the more traditional route of sending books out to be you know to be Mm. uh, printed by a professional printer and as a result we now have worldwide distribution but you, uh, of course, kept editorial control. Of, I'm the of senior all of that. editor of all this, all these books, and uh, yes, and everyone has taught me so much. I have learned so much through uh, the whole process of acquiring a book, editing it, um, preparing it for publication, publishing it, marketing it, working with the author, mm-hmm. and uh, primarily poetry. I would say that 80% of it has been poetry. We also have several novellas and a short story collection. And you, have you always had a, a contest, which I think as we tape this podcast is either underway now or has just concluded? We have had contests 
in several years now, but we probably will have one or two more this year. And uh, we're currently deciding between chapbook, full-length poetry collection or a short story collection. I don't know. I want them all. We'll see. (laughs) So for those uh, who aren't familiar with the terms that we sometimes toss around and and, uh, you you hear the word genre uh, used a lot, when you talk about a chapbook, tell our listeners what exactly we're talking about. Yes, uh, the difference between a poetry chapbook and a poetry full-length collection is mostly size. So if, you're, uh, if you want to publish a chapbook or you want to write one, put one together, so normally their size is between 20 and 30 pages. And a poetry collection, full-length poetry collection is minimum of 48 pages and it could be quite quite long. Mm-hmm. It is easier to uh, write one that is shorter, of course, um, but uh, and there are several advantages. You can try out a, a press. Um, you can um, it's less risky and the other thing that is very attractive in order to when you publish a chapbook is that you can reuse all your poems and include them later on in a full length. So it's it's pretty safe, risk-free way to try out a press or to publish something. Well, one of the, uh, as I mentioned, uh, as a member of our Speakers Bureau, one of your, your talks uh, that uh, you're available to do, and by the way, uh, Katerina is available for classrooms, uh, small gatherings, book clubs, anywhere more than one person is gathered to uh, to hear her speak and represent Kentucky Humanities. It is called uh, Writing Very Short Poems, and it gives a little bit of uh, background um, in our description on the website, kyhumanities.org. Uh, just scroll down to uh, Speakers Bureau and then the Speakers Roster, uh, we'll give you her full description. Um, but it also says that uh, she will discuss the art of writing free-form poems of up to 50 words. So, obviously, in your definition, a short poem is no more than 50 words. Well, yeah, that's the line in the sand that I drew, up to 50 words uh, including the title, because the title is part of the poem, right? So there are so many uh, books or workshops that teach people how to write uh, form poetry, like haiku or tanka or other uh, forms. But it is so satisfying to write um, free form, very short poems. And when they work, they really work. How do you know that a poem really works? How, how do you know that a, a short poem really works? Okay. Uh, I'll first, I'll quote Emily Dickinson about what is poetry when you feel that the top of your head is blown off. Basically, <laughs> that is poetry. And then how do you know when it works? So... Um, if you know that 
if you hear it and you don't expect it to continue, that means the poem have, have, uh, has closed. Now, if you have been at a open mics, you would have noticed that there are certain poets, they go to the, to the open mic, they go to the mic, they read their poem, and then the audience needs visual cues to understand that the poem is over, right? They need to shuffle papers or say thank you or step away from the mic and people know, oh, the poem is over, let me clap. Now, there are those other poets though that they go to the mic, they read the poem and the audience doesn't need any visual cues. They know because the poem nailed it shut. So that, uh, that's, that's when you know that the poem works. That's a, one very good clue. Can you when, you, when you're looking at someone's work and you're considering publication, mm -hmm. can you read a poem and a short poem and determine for yourself that it is something that's meaningful and that it should be published and should be have a wider audience or is it sometimes something you you do you read out loud rarely yeah rarely yeah rarely oh really so it would seem like to me that you would want to hear those words or you would want to have the poet or someone else uh, a friend read it so you could absorb and and hear those words so about hearing and reading, I read my own work before I send it for publication so I can hear it. But for other people's work, I normally can say, can tell pretty quickly whether something worked or not mm -hmm. and um, whether it's warrants publication mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. And we can say a lot in very few words. There is a Hopi saying, it doesn't take many words to tell the truth. Hmm. Yes, right, of course. Um, it says in, in the description here that you will take the audience through examples, discuss the tools of very short poems, and lead groups in writing exercises. Just give us a, a, a taste, uh, an example of what some of those prompts are, um, what some of those exercises are. Well, um, one thing that I would do during that talk would be to give many, many examples of, of poems that are of nine words or 14 words or uh, very tiny poems and to illustrate how you can make use of a good title and how you can uh, lean in to the reader's understanding, because the reader always needs to bring an understanding uh, by using well understood concepts of, and principles. And not only that, but if you use cliches, how to use them creatively, because cliches can help a lot in small settings, uh, because uh, they are wider and uniformly understood concepts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the exercise uh, that I've participated in and even assigned to classes of writing the six-word memoir. Ha, huh. yes, yes. Which, um, was it, um, 
And the most famous one, who, who was it? Hemingway. Hemingway. Yeah. Um, the shoes. Yes. Baby shoes never, on, for sale. Baby for shoes sale. never worn. That's it. Say yeah. it again. For, for sale. Baby's shoes never worn. Six parts. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. no- novel right there. Yeah. 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 That's what's magic about writing and whether it's a memoir or that could that exercise does lead to a, a six word memoir, but it could certainly suffice for a six word poem exercise too. Well, what we just said, Hemingway's words, they could be a poem also. They could be classified as a poem just as well as a novel. And in that um in that talk I give people the assignment of writing a poem up to twenty up to up to 50 words, including the title. And then I asked them to half the words, to edit it, to say whatever they have said and half the words. And yeah. it works. Uh-huh. It works. People, I'm sure, when they complete the assignment are are pleased with their work, aren't they? Normally, they're exhilarated after yeah. that. And they say, I can't wait to go home and see my old poems to shorten them. <laughs> uh, Katerina Stokova is our guest on Think Humanities podcast uh, today. She is um, with us uh, uh, for Poetry Month, along with our other uh, illustrious uh, members that we've had from the poetry community uh, throughout. And we're going to take a pause here and hear from uh, someone we've already mentioned uh, during this uh, broadcast uh, on our podcast. And then we'll ask her to talk about uh, a little bit more about the publishing world, the, the poetry publishing world, and maybe some, some poems of hers that are favorites and some books that she's brought along. But we want to um, take a pause right here and uh, once again mention the Sina Jeter Naslin, a Karen Mann a Graduate School of Writing at Spalding University, and thank them for their underwriting. At Spalding University's Low Residency MFA program, creative writing students come to campus for an exciting week of learning each semester, followed by independent study from home that fits in with work and family life. Write prolifically, explore across genres, gain editorial experience on a literary journal, and become part of a lifelong writing community. Writers thrive at Spalding's Naslin Mann Graduate School of Writing. Learn more at spalding.edu forward slash MFA or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. All right, Katerina, um, the other talk that you do for Kentucky Humanities in our Speakers Bureau is publishing, promoting, and marketing your poetry book. So what you're saying is that um, an individual, a poet, whether they are um, uh, Richard Taylor uh, or the Ada Lamone, the current poet laureate uh, of the United States of America from Lexington, Kentucky, or yourself, um, there are ways that you need to self-promote and get your work out there in the world. You just can't write it and stick it in a drawer, can you? What do you tell people in your talk? Well, I tell them that it some point it comes a moment to start talk about, uh, talking about publishing and sharing your work. Uh, 
I have been fortunate enough to work with so many poets on so many books. And as I said before, everyone has taught me a lot about the book's life uh, and the poet's journey from uh, a writer, from a poet to an author. Once you become an author, you need to bring other qualities uh, to the forefront. I think that publishing a book is difficult and lengthy process because there are two things that can really um, come in the way. One is that because it takes a long time, it, it takes a long time from writing to uh, coming up with a concept and then to arrange the book and then to edit it and then to uh, research presses and then to actually find one that's a good home to to going through the production process and then publishing and, and then marketing it. That this years. It takes years normally. So uh, that's one of the obstacles because during that time life happens and many things can derail you. And if something derails you for long enough, then you have to start from the beginning. So that's one of the obstacles. And the other obstacle is that in any of those stages that I just mentioned, in order to be successful, you need certain qualities. And the qualities that you need to write those poems are different than the qualities that you need to edit them and different from the qualities to research a press and different from the qualities to publish or to market. So it's very hard to have all these qualities in the same person, but there are ways that you can learn, there are ways that you can be mentored and some education, and this is what this talk is about, how to go about um, uh, doing that with promote, publish and promote your book um, and be successful with that. Let's use um, you as okay. an example. Um, I said at the beginning uh, of your introduction, uh, your most recent uh, publication will be in 2024 That's right. when it comes out between a, a birdhouse and uh, between a birdcage and a birdhouse, right. which the University Press of Kentucky, which does such wonderful work uh, in Lexington, um, headquartered in Lexington, uh, is publishing for you. Um, you already... You have the title, uh, you know the publication date. Uh, what was the process of you, when did you begin working on it? What was the process of you writing it and then knowing that the publication is going to be in January of 2024, almost a year from now, or just over a, a year from now? Well, I have worked on those poems for very long time. Some of them are quite old poems, some of them are poems that I've written in 2009. And uh, I, over the years, I have put together different books and I have published several, in, some in Bulgarian, some bilingual, some in English, and pretty much most of them are out of print by now. And I took my uh, immigration poems and and I arranged a book that is a conversation with America. 
and my immigration experience. And I believe that it has a lot in it and I hope that it find its audience. That's all I'm gonna speak about, say about the book itself at this point. Um, but after many arrangements, uh, last April, I submitted it as a book proposal and it got accepted and um, I submitted the final manuscript and right now we have a cover also made by brilliant um, brilliant Bulgarian cover artist called Luba Haleva hmm. and she is so excited also because that is her first cover in uh, in the United States um, and now I'm waiting to work with the marketing department on coming up with a plan on how to promote the book and I am very willing and ready to show up for that book and to read from it and to talk about it and to um, to make sure that it that I do my parts in order for it to meet its audience. So what you tell people in your talk and what you you're living the the experience your book was actually in manuscript form I, I guess you would call it in manuscript form, yes. just like you would a novel or nonfiction. Yes. Uh, a year ago, this month. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it was a, about that time a year ago that I had it. Uh, I submitted it. Yes. Tell me about Bird on a Windowsill. Okay, Bird on a Windowsill is a collection of my thoughts that I <laughs> I felt were worth saving. I don't know about you, but I each once in a while I catch in my head thoughts that are smarter than I am, definitely, and I <laughs> write them down. <laughs> and then uh, I feel like I, I have received those thoughts as guidance from myself mm -hmm. to myself, and mm -hmm. they have helped me get from point A to point B at particular moments. And I had them in two languages, so I put them together and published them. Uh-huh. Where did the title come from? Bird on a window. So it comes from a one of the thoughts. Uh, oh. The last, I, this little book is in nine parts. And the last part is about writing, quotes about writing. And um, let's see if I can find it. It is if you... But just from that, that's all right. Well, from no, one of the no, other. I can tell it uh, right. I can see if I can say it from memory. Is that if a thought comes, if if a line from a poem comes into your in, into your head, and you say, "I'm going to write that later," it's the same w as when you see a bird on the windowsill and you say, "Oh, I'm going to take a photo of it later." Mm -hmm. Mm. So it's yes. gone. It's, it's gone. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you do this? Uh, let's end up by you just, I mean, you brought so much with you. Um, why don't you choose one uh, poem uh, of your own or of someone else uh, that, that you could read to us just to, to, uh, to end up with, maybe a favorite. Um, if you have something there that you would like to, um, to read and, and uh, 
it, it's always uh, that moment when the, the poet is leafing through papers <laughs> and uh, remembering what page and uh, some... Uh, I would love to read a poem from my upcoming yes, book. Yes, please. And tell us again about about the book and when and how it's going to be available. Yes, between a birdcage and a birdhouse, and I realize now there are lots of birds in my biography, <laughs> right, uh, is going to come out from University Press of Kentucky in January 2024. Uh, 24. I was almost at 14. I, <laughs> uh, time goes so fast. Yeah. And... Uh, the book is actually available for pre-order and the oh. website and other online um, places as well. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I opened to a, a poem uh-huh. here, and if that's okay, I'll, I'll read that. Please. It's called, To the Foreign Woman Who Called Her Daughter Scutina For Untying Her Shoes in the Post Office, Beaumont Branch, Lexington, Kentucky, Um, April 18th, 2013. Somebody always listens. Somebody always understands, sees, feels what you say. I wouldn't want to be her, your little girl with pink sneakers staring numbly into the floor. I wouldn't want to be you, a beacon of bile, arms crossed over the chest that helped you immigrate. Life appears to not be what he promised. The beauty you traded in for comfort, health vanished, the comfort itself now taken for granted. Nor your meek American husband resigned to this upgrade to loneliness 1.1, your strange meals barbed glances, loaded silences, submitted to living in fear of having a different opinion. Neither the elderly female relative with her back to all of us pretending to be engrossed in the merchandise of padded envelopes and comical postcards. The girl walks up to her and looks at cats with large eyes dancing groundhogs, thank you notes for the fact that nobody here speaks foreign languages. Little girl, before it gets better, I'm sorry to say it will get worse. If I could, I would tell her a pomnitis, but she scares me too. For what is worth, one day she will want to erase what she just said and instead kneel down to help and continue to teach you for she'll know nothing matters more than her only daughter being able to walk well. Until then, it's okay to cry for the losses and accept the love. Lubimaya is what your mother should have said to you. I would tell her that I know. I know I would tell her. I'm so sorry. I know. Katerina Starkova, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bill. It's been a pleasure. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. 
Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.